In this episode of Midlife AF, I talk to the wonderful Iron Diet dietitians, Meg and Susan, in what I have called Nourished AF. This is part of my live AF series that I did to launch the Great Aussie Alcohol Experiment in June. Meg and Susan talk about things that are very dear to my heart, as I am a passionate advocate for getting diet culture out of our families, out of our intergenerational experience of life and away from our children. So protecting our children from diet culture and healing our own wounds around diet culture and body image. So this is important, important conversations over to Susan and Meg. you're a woman in midlife whose intuition is telling you that giving booze the elbow might be the next right move, then Midlife AF is the podcast for you. Join counsellor, psychotherapist, this naked mind and grey area drinking alcohol coach Emma Gilmore for a weekly natter about parenting quirky teens, menopause, relationships and navigating this thing called midlife alcohol free. If you're feeling that life could be so much more, that you're sick and tired of doing all the things for everyone else, if your intuition is waving her arms manically at you saying, it could all be so much easier if we didn't have to keep drinking, come with me. Together we'll find our groove without booze. Welcome everybody. This is so lovely. We have the beautiful Meg. And Susan here. I've been so excited about talking to these two lovely ladies um, because it's such a passion project of mine. And so as part of our, we're doing this live series in the lead up to the launch of my um, great Aussie alcohol experiment. And as such, I've brought together all these amazing women doing these fabulous things. Um, but particularly with Meg and Susan, such an important work such important work that these guys do um, in terms of really looking after our kids and looking after our precious selves um, in a world that, you know, has a slant to it. And I was just talking with Lisa Kordoff mm. about the world and how, you know, we have this idea of what normal is. And it's very, um, it's very messed up. And systemically, things are very messed up as well. And a lot of the time, we've got no idea what we're you know what we're swimming in and how easy it is to feel like a fish out of water when you're doing 100%. things that actually you know are what's best for you yes looking after yourself yes yes and how easy it is to kind of get dragged back into it all again and start getting part of that hamster wheel and start sort of yeah it's so easy before we get into the nuts and bolts of our conversation i wondered if you two would be kind enough to introduce yourself to the people watching who don't who might not know who you are already sure you go. i'm gonna go all right so we are Megan <laughs> Susan. Uh, so we are dietitians are non-diet dietitians um who have worked in each other's orbits so we have similar practices even mm -hmm. though we've come from kind of different clinical dietetic backgrounds um and have sort of gotten to a certain age um <laughs> where you, you'd start thinking a bit more about impact mm. um and so we love the work that we do one-on-one -on -one with clients and mm. think it's really important um but quite often by the time people get to us 
there's a really long story. There's some missed opportunities for things to not have gone quite so wrong. Yeah. Um, and there's potentially obviously years of sort of just living in a, a bit of a battle with their body yeah. in just not feeling comfortable, not feeling confident with what they're doing with food, mm. which, you know, I've got to eat several times a day. So that yeah. can be really take away, make people's lives a lot smaller. Yeah. Um, and so we, what we're hoping to do is a bit of like prevention work of before things get to the real pointy end of eating yeah. disorders. And we've often sort of talked about that. Sometimes we feel like like a toothpick holding back a tsunami, like whether yeah. like a little toothpick trying to stop diet culture and stop, you know, the yeah. diet industry from really destroying and drowning people. Yeah. Um, and so by the work that we're doing together, we're hoping we can sort of just be getting lots and lots and lots of toothpicks <laughs> alongside whole communities, families, schools, whatever, Absolutely. Um, to sort of be part of that holding it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yes, yeah, so we're we're wanting to do more get get more impact yeah. than we can one on one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it's such a um, it's so interesting because I think for for me, um, diet culture is one of those. Um, it's almost like one of the last bastions of you know, like people still holding on to it as if it's not a problem, it's not problematic. Mm. Um, you know, there's still, um, for me, you know, having been on my own personal journey with it and also having two um, neurodivergent kids who, for whom, you know, um, eating, disordered eating and eating disorders, you know, statistically, they're yeah. much more likely to become um, a statistic in that world. So for me, keeping diet culture out of my family out of my home as much as is physically possible is such and that's why just for me the work that you're doing is incredible because still nowadays we have people don't we and this is one of the I'd love to ping us off with this one um you know one of the things that people still do very woke very cool very is is comment on the shape of our bodies and how we look yes yeah when they greet us it's really surprising when you're in like a really sort of progressive sort of yes like mm. ah! Ah! <laughs> I often <laughs> people who are you're having a lot of concerns about their um weight and shape about part of the problem is that so with any other thing about somebody whether it's their skin color or sexuality anything like that if they're being teased for it, if they're being bullied for it if they're being treated differently differently for it as a culture we go no, 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 hey, bully, stop. Yeah. It's just not, and I think in parts of people think it's just this fully under our control and if we just did the right thing, we'd all have a certain body. Yeah, absolutely. And particularly this, the um, connection between, you know, health and well-being and being uh, in a thinner, in a, in a, slant, more, a smaller body. It's actually our health behaviours and not our weight, shape or size. And often also the point that if there are associations with being in a larger body and increased rates of chronic and complex disease, are we considering the rate of stigma? And repeated attempts at weight loss. Yeah. Yeah. But unfortunately, it's almost being sort of taken away by those real weight-centric views of the way to avoid weight stigma is to be smaller. <laughs> So here's this drug or here's this new surgery or here's this as opposed to going, no, the problem with weight stigma is on a society level, yes. not on just being nicer to people while telling them that they need to become smaller. At least the conversations are happening. You're absolutely right. But it's extraordinary how pervasive it is. Like I said, in people that, um, 
you would hope would know know better you know and that's why i think it's so important to keep having these conversations because it's having them that changes these things yeah um that weight is actually a modifiable risk factor factor. you know like people who are tall like tall men have higher risks of certain diseases but we don't want anyone to become shorter because we just know that's that's actually not possible and so we just don't have that same trust in i guess our bodies when it comes to like a predetermined sort of adult weight you know and we just for some reasons and then probably because there's so much money to be made out so that's of it. Exactly. it's a hundreds of billions of dollar industry bodies are pretty good at defending themselves you know even when people have the most restrictive and invasive like surgeries like those the weight loss happens but then regain happens it's extraordinary isn't it that's it our bodies are there they're they're telling us things and they have a way of sorting balance out that's kind of it's like you know cleanses and things like that you know it's like our body has a great system for cleansing weight loss has become the thing that people think is going to give them access to that whole cultural narrative of oh well the way to be healthy wealthy happy beautiful beautiful have a great job have good relationships Yeah. yeah it's often not even the weight loss that people are after they're after what they they're, what they hope it's going to give them access that's exactly to right. that's exactly yeah. right and i speak from that as a person who's 100 percent been in that place mm-hmm. and still have a lot of that internalized fat phobia myself like i talking to my mum recently you know i understand where her um <sighs> judgment has come from and you know actually that it's it's a part of her herself you know we, a lot of the time it's us trying to keep ourselves safe oh. In an environment that's not made for people like me, you know, like people, you know, people in a different state body than what the ideal is. And I think we're really lucky um, in the work that we do because we actually get to hear firsthand from so many people that those things are actually not as connected as we think they are. So we see again and again, it's not actually correlated. It's not true. We get confirmation again and again and again through our clients of those two things like you do not have to have a certain body to access this story and it's no guarantee and i mean of course then there is the very real stigmatization as well that people experience in bigger bodies which you know for me when i was talking to my mum she used to be she was bullied for being in a bigger body as a kid so of course being in a smaller body for her felt safe and i think even in that time though even if it is short term so i've certainly worked with people who have um, perhaps have a aperture surgery and have had a significant weight loss, and actually yeah. there's a significant struggle of this is not fair that I'm being treated differently. Yeah. Why? Like that's not okay, and that's actually been a really significant stressor for them. So I'm the same person. Oh Why am I being treated so differently? And a reflection on how they didn't even, perhaps even realize how poorly they were being treated. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I've heard that too, actually, from mm. friends who've lost weight and had a very different experience, yeah. Yes, it's um, very yeah. different to the, the dream that is sold um, as what yeah. life like yeah. once this happened. Yes, yes, and I totally hear you on the grief as well because for me there was a lot of grief and I've, in my um, journey I ended up um, having a little slip up after I stopped dieting and going back to it because I just couldn't sort of get my head around it and then I went back again um, and I think the biggest piece for me and it's taken ages 
was just realizing that I don't love anybody any less because of the size of their body. Uh, and then thinking, well, if I don't love anybody any less because of the size of their body, I couldn't give it two hoots what size my friend's bodies are, then it's highly likely that yes. people will feel the same way about me. Yep. Pre-COVID, I was doing a fair few um, school, like talks with schools. Yeah. So, you know, get to talk about sort of non-diet stuff and yeah. well-being. And I used to run an activity where I'd give them all a bunch of post-it notes, five post-it notes, and say, I want you to write down on those post-it notes um, the top five attributes or things that you love in your friends what do you look for what makes a good friend like what is it that you love in your yes. friends and invariably there was never one thing on the physical no. side no, no one cares about that. no, no one Someone's cares blonde. about the color of their yeah. hair nothing Funny. like it was just <laughs> never um physical it was always who is this person yes. i appreciate what you're saying sometimes it's not about how others view the size of the body it can be something else also. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And feel free to add any more that you want to about that, Sandy, and help us too with the conversation. Yeah. Um, I just think that work that you're doing, particularly with children, is so important because even without realising it, a lot of us bring our own internalised fat phobia into the home and it's protecting our kids from that so that the possibility and this is why i love what you're doing so so much and just will champion you guys from to the end of the earth because the possibility that our kids don't have to live like this yeah yeah we sort of um you know really conscious of like how much that that phobia or just sort of teasing or lack of empathy even me's got three boys and i've got three girls it's like we're some yeah. sort of weird much um <laughs> you know like my my little bit older and so the tv that they watch you know the kids shows with things like peppa pig and you know poor old daddy pig would get you know teased about daddy pig's big tummy and you know like just those moments where you're like oh how does daddy pig feel about that you know i wonder how daddy pig feels like trying to just encourage empathy yeah um what would that feel like to be being teased about like the body that you live in? Um, you know, like, like just trying to get that capacity for, I guess, care for other people and yeah. for yourself. Um, what does it, you know, what does it mean to, this is the body that you've got. Mm. This is where you're going to live. Um, and there isn't another one. So That's let's. Um, but again, like, like throughout their throughout their growth and development, trying to be really steady with what's actually happening, you know, yeah. like the early puberty sort of signs. Yeah, okay, this is this is a little bit weird, isn't it? You know, and these things are happening, and it's fine. It's fine. You're okay. Yeah, yeah. It's it's huge, isn't it? It's such a, and I know for so many adolescents and even you know preteen. Uh, neurodivergent kids I was one of these as well the the prevalence of, of um, going into disordered eating so there's so many parts of um, having disordered eating and similarly you know a lot of connection with um, alcohol um, mm. use um, issues as well so that's you know there is a, a big connection there I think um, and particularly around yeah 
including neurodivergence exactly exactly and a lot of the time you know what i'm noticing particularly with my kids is there's an there is and i know i was just talking to lisa about the same thing that there's a propensity to get people to push through when they're having when they are finding everything too much um because that's the way our culture works it's productivity and i was often you know, for, for some some people, some some kids, it feels like the only thing that they have actually got any control over as well. It's like, and that's how I felt. I remember feeling very strongly like that when I was um, anorexic as a as a as a teenager. It was just like nothing else is in my control. Yeah, and I think that's what we're sort of. Um, we might not go too much into the detail, but what we're sort of now really understanding about disorders is not everyone is. I want to be thin. I'm going to diet oh, now I've got an eating disorder, the, the deficit for whatever reason, sensory issues, Yeah. sometimes it can be the numbing out of not eating yes. helps with the uncomfortable feelings and that yes. kicks, that gets you into deficit and kicks off. Exactly. It's not always, not everyone who goes in the same way. No, they don't. There's so many different ways, isn't there? The clients that we work with will have boundless compassion mm. for everyone else. Yes, yes. You know, you know, yes. like and similar with alcohol. Yes, that's right. Um, that idea of you know, Sandy just saying here, food sometimes not yeah. enjoyable. I think that idea that we we sort of hopefully are having a bit more nuance around is, you know, they're one, they're being one way of mm. like that's doing it. eating, and you know, being able to actually, I think, as adults, sort of stay steady enough with our children yeah. to go all right, there's something something here. And also with some of the beautiful models that we've got, say, like intuitive eating yes. or just avoiding turning them into a new set of rules is so important. Yeah. So that they stay in a sense of safety, security and trust of their own body. Even sort of conversations, I suppose, around, you know, hunger and fullness. Not everyone's going to have some sort of acuity and some people are going to need a little bit of a, hey, yeah. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I struggle hugely with interceptive awareness, and a lot of neurodivergent people do, and also a lot of people who've had disordered eating because we stuff down our needs, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it can be that sort of yeah, what's called like of conscious eating of it yeah. may not be that I really feel like it right now. It may not be, but and you know, often yeah. people that's medication for ADHD will have a significant impact on their hunger and fullness yes. cues might start noticing it in other ways. So yes. might need to be like, you know what, sometimes it's just yeah. a job. Also, sometimes, you know, being really attentive to eating is actually, mm. so being sort of mindfully mindless so that you can sort of get this job done. Yeah. Culturally, healthy eating is like Instagram healthy eating, which is all green juices and whatever. Yeah. Um, and I think that like health professionals, like dietitians can sometimes be really in that, well, I'm the expert. This yeah. is what healthy eating looks like. So it's my job to make you eat like this um, <laughs> we work in that more client-centered realm is yeah. okay i'm going to manage risk or how are we going to um plug some gaps with something easy while we're working on what you want from your eating variety what you want from your yeah. um i guess like variety competency. doesn't have to be a million things no. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. and that's the thing especially with um autistic kids like my kids are autistic kids you know, is is really them eating everything that you expect them to eat, you know, the hill you want to die on. 
can we not add unnecessary stress for you and can we also be building resilience um, and competence and creeping like where is that and there'll be different times yeah. of life for their own reasons you know, we don't yeah. have to be pushy 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 like no. you know what is um, in the room is what do you what's important to you and what do you yeah. want yeah. what are the risks associated with that and can we minimize them in a way yeah. that doesn't very stress yeah, yeah doesn't make them a great big drama that people are going to rebel against it's that whole you know if you start telling like for example if you start telling people not to eat a certain food they're going to want it same with alcohol if you, that's the whole you know one of the big issues with alcohol is if yeah. you start making it something you can't have it becomes yeah. something you want more than life itself right of course it does scarcity it's the same thing isn't it i really like um when we spoke before that there's a book that probably most non-diet dietitians started with which was the if not dieting then watch by rick Kaufman yeah. and the question yeah i can have it if i want it do i want it now yes and it was just like pause mm. check in it works in, in lots of actually in lots of situations it works mm. well food. um but yeah it's just that nice invitation to checking or whatever it is that you mm. notice about your body what are your signs yeah you know what would it be about the thing whether it is say alcohol or it is food like what would that what is What's it, it what giving is... you oh there we go love the 10 minute rule for anything delay it for 10 minutes you probably yeah. don't it anyway. yeah. Yeah. yes yeah, yes really yes helpful. i knew it's interesting about, you know particularly i mean like i'm 50 now makes a bit younger mm. um but just that consciousness particular particularly around say alcohol yeah. and how yeah. you might choose to use it and whether yeah. you're using it to relax yeah. or when you are relaxed like that's that's quite yeah. different yeah yeah my sister did a month off just as to explore and then she wanted to extend it um and what i um noticed very much was for me i could still have all the benefit of the ritual in the afternoon having a chat to not feel like it was missing i mean i hadn't done it sort of with any intention for myself i was just like yeah i'll help you do that um but learned a heap i just that oh this is a time i would have gone and grabbed a drink that's really interesting what's that about and so that non yes. like, just non-judgmental awareness i think there's everything. parallels too with particularly for women and say you know like the frantic busyness that happens yeah. whether you're a parent or not like but yeah. you know let's we'll just be stereotyped women often the ones who take the load of the whole sort of family extended family the sitting down with yeah. either a tea and a few bickies yeah or or a drink yeah. is often my my permission to actually stop and rest exactly mm. right stop. exactly right but i need this prop so everyone will leave me alone yeah yeah <laughs> Well, I remember I've had clients saying to me before, well, if I'm drinking, I'm still doing something, but I don't actually have to yeah. do anything. So that yeah. whole productivity we've oh, always got to be doing. Absolutely. I yes. found um, <laughs> I'm reading for me is, is, is this way that I give myself permission to rest, which I shouldn't need. Yeah. But I, oh, if I sit down on the couch and read, I feel like I'm I must part of me still feel like I'm doing something productive. So that pause to go oh what is that and again i just come back to like being curious about it yes. what is it making me and feel not judging it not, not judging it not judging yeah. it i i did three tim tams yesterday 
after um, I'd had a conversation with a clinician at the school my kids were supposed to go to yesterday, wasn't able to go to. And I, I, I was like, okay, I see what's happening here. We're having three Tim Tams in quick succession. <laughs> Yeah, we've just got off. The, we've just got off the phone from this is the clinician. Would let, so people often will demonise comfort eating or using food to soothe, yeah. like it's a terrible horror thing. It was great. <laughs> Anything you've got, then yeah. you might find that it is less effective. Or if you go to it, but then you beat yourself up for it, so don't even get the That's soothing. It. it works. That's it. I may not want it to be the only thing that we That's lean into. Leaning, leaning because we're beating ourselves up for it because we feel like we're not allowed to do it. Yeah, but that mm. makes food so powerful. Yeah, and it like it's like that pendulum, you yeah. know. So if you know, like you say, not allowed to have it, then it becomes like the most powerful thing. Of course, it does. Yeah, it be the emotional regulator you need it to be. Mm. But I think yes. that process of dieting and restricting and sort of demonising but also putting on a pedestal, yeah. actually we, we become unaware of the other things perhaps that we enjoy, yeah. like yeah. music or comedy or reading or yeah. movement or whatever it might be. So we end up with a like one tool in our toolbox. Just over the last couple of years, the marketing to women, particularly young women, I think oh. around consumption is that, you know, sort of keeping up with the boys and yeah. like out there in a bro culture. And there's a parallel thing happening, like, with food, you know, mm -hmm. like, young, thin, sort of pretty, but, like, smashing out a burger. And you're mm -hmm. like, anyone can have a burger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But, but just the idea of the way we are marketed to mm -hmm. and the way, you know, back to the beginning, what do we, you know, what do we regard as sort of normal? Mm -hmm. So much of that is driven by some industry somewhere. And so if we can, like, come back to our own consciousness, our own sense of ourselves and what works for us, we can, like, yeah, I'm buying into that right now or actually, no, that's not for me. I'm, I'm yeah. good. Yeah, absolutely. I'm reading what Sandy's saying as well. Recovery and living life is an act of rebellion. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. Brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Um. And so is there any tips that you would give to people out there who are, and I will come on to the work that you actually do and your, um, you know, your business and things like that, but I'm wondering, is there anything that we could take away from this conversation to reduce the impact of diet culture in our homes? I reckon uh, the first thing I sort of think about is, it's going to be the wrong word, but detox. Oh, <laughs> but oh like this, God, yeah. That sort of check-in of the things that you find are making you feel not so great, like mm. the maybe accounts that you've followed in the past, you know, things that still pop up but perhaps don't feel so good after. Mm. Um, but, like, we did, a, we did a workshop earlier, earlier this year. Mm, don't yeah. Know. Oh, far out. I have no idea. <laughs> it's crazy you know end of financial year who knows um about like that sort of like a diet culture detox so trying to audit like try to figure out what shows am i watching are there messages coming in that i'm absorbing yeah. what um <laughs> 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 social media uh, 
uh, get it away yeah. as much as possible. Because again, back to that, we want to build resilience and make the world safer. Right? I want to be doing those two things. Yeah. A bit of an audit of your space, an audit of your mm. home. What are the what are the things in your house that actually align with diet culture? Mm. We've got to keep our there to be the growing up happening in spaces where. Yeah. It's not normal. So, like, you know, women's magazines that have got the celebrity befores and afters, get them done out. TV shows that are all about, like, you know, well, I mean, it's not even on anymore, the biggest loser, but um, catching, catching the household, like, you know, maybe there's negative commentary about bodies and you might not be ready to, you know, talk about yourself as a, you know, glorious creature of God's creation just yet, but just not actually saying the negative things out loud. Absolutely. Are we? Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, trying and to... having the conversation because we can't avoid everything. So as much as we can, we want to avoid. Um, but then the other ones is looking for opportunities to have the conversation. And I don't yeah. know where you are, or whether Bluey Gate was a thing in your yes. circle. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. The thing, have you such an opportunity for conversation? So when I mean, my kids are old enough, I don't have to feel like you're not watching that. You know, some other reading, reading Harry Potter and mm. the awful stuff around the Dursleys we're horrible, horrible, horrible mm. people. It mm. doesn't about their size. So actually yeah. going, oh, isn't that interesting that they're trying to use that yeah. as to be repulsed? What do you think about that? Yeah. Like oh, beautiful friends in larger bodies, how would they feel reading this? So, again, that yeah. empathy piece of trying to have some little phrases that you're ready to go to when it invades your space. Because <laughs> yeah, totally. it will. And it's sometimes a surprise, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think too, like, it's okay to protect your energy and not feel like you have to advocate at every single opportunity yeah. because especially like if it's a bit of a new idea to you, people find themselves all tangled up and they, they can't yeah. quite get the words right and then they doubt themselves and feel undermined and oh just not engaging in it that's what i I've, i had a situation recently where one of my a, a male friend of mine was in front of one of my kids and was talking about how he'd come back from holiday and he was doing this juice cleanse and <laughs> um i just felt i i felt really awkward i didn't know what to say because i didn't want to make him feel bad and i also know my kids are pretty astute they're in their teens and they're pretty like full on in in terms of their own advocacy for the rights of humans. Oh, for his own, he just pointed to the poster. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but afterwards we had the conversation. Afterwards, I was like, "Oh, that was a bit funny." When, yeah, I reckon he still must have some of those beliefs. And my kid was like, "Yeah, I thought that as well." And we were both like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." We'll just, uh, yeah. What a terrible way to come back from holiday, too. Oh <laughs> yeah, relaxing vibes. Now yes. I now. I feel bad talking about him on here. No. <laughs> I think that's the thing, too. like you said right at the beginning, that internalised fat phobia and what are we all swimming in? And that's... it can be a massive blind spot for people too. It's like a real, and I think until you kind of realise it remains a blind spot. Yes. Yeah, yeah we have, you know, we've got family members who are pretty, still pretty fat phobic and and my girls will just sort of look at me and like oh, eye roll <laughs> you know and it's their grandmothers <laughs> my mum and my mother-in-law will come out with some absolute clangers oh, yeah they'll look at me and then they'll eye roll and then no one no one picks up the conversation and it just dies yes and that'll do you know yes. because there is a point where you're not gonna change no um, 
no absolutely thank you both so much and we're breaking up a little bit so okay. i think it might be i'm not sure which end of ours it is but it's a shame um but what i wanted to do is make sure that because what you're doing is so important and i know so many people even you know if we're only in the beginning of this journey ourselves you know we definitely don't want it in our houses nobody's going to want to have that in their house and causing that pain to their kids you know and 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 also this is a nuanced journey and for me i could not have gone got where i've got to in it which is still not completely resolved without the help of people working in this space and i think to find a pair of women in midlife working in this space in australia mm-hmm. is amazing so could you please share what you do what your offering is and where people can find you um because i'm sure there'll be so much demand for what you do because it's it's just well what a, what an amazing free freedom would come from not having to worry about um the size and shape of our bodies and not having to worry about trying to be this ideal that's as you say completely kind of a made up thing anyway yeah. um so we're fairly early on in our journey together mm-hmm. um so we've got our podcast um which is called life's too short to count almonds um which comes out weekly and you can get on our mailing list at megvision.co um, yep. for that yeah. um are we like like you say it's a very nuanced space so we're yeah. actually um, launching a sort of a short course at the end of july hmm. i think it was before so some of the real groundwork prior to probably launching into something like mm. intuitive the really mm. diet culture and, and diet people's own, cycle and people's own diet story yeah and background. what sort of because our behaviors don't come from nowhere yeah. and they definitely don't just from like what we know um so actually trying to help people have that curious exploration of where am i and how am i um as a starting point for okay well what might i be doing so that's sort of really it's just going to be short Mm -hmm. just for um course of those some for those sort of really starting um yeah just really getting right there at the beginning Mm -hmm. so that when you are starting to try and enact some of those um those new ways of being got a really good uh, steady base mm. to work but before that so you know some of this stuff is actually like practical skills too um going to do a like a, a, a planning sort of challenge so trying to take some of those tools that have been you know, used as weapons in a way by dieting um and and turn them back into the tools they're meant to be so I love myself sick when I've, I'm organised with food, you know. Like mm. it works for budget, it works for, like, time management, it mm. works through wastage. But we know that, like, people get really sort of hung up with food, with meal planning. Um, yeah. So we do at the um, uh, June 22nd. Yeah, I think the week that week. Um, cool. We're going to do a meal planning challenge so that people can plan along with us. And figure out what work for them, where are their pain points on planning that leaves them feeling overwhelmed or stressed or throwing out food or um, as a last resort and feeling bad about it, mm. getting takeaway rather mm. than build it in. Planet, it. Yeah. 
Um, so again, that it might end up looking at the same food, but quite often the approach and the way you've come to it can be really different. Mm. Um, and that impact on your stress levels and just life, yeah, well-being yeah. in general. So yeah. main things coming up. But if you just get on our, our mailing list, they'll be able to find. Yeah. we've got a couple things. of um, couple of resources. We we um we yeah. were the caterers for a a non-diet weekend festival for by a friend of ours, and um we we've catered in real life before it's just quite hilarious um but we put our recipes down on paper it's a bit of a mad sort of meandering journey but you can get that at our website as well thank you megan susan much appreciated you're doing great work thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of midlife af with emma gilmore if you enjoyed it please share on instagram for your friends and tag me at hope rising coaching If you want to help me grow the podcast, please review the episodes for me on Apple Podcasts. That really helps. If you would like to work further with me, please go to my website, www.hoperisingcoaching.com for my free and paid programs or email me at emma at hoperisingcoaching.com. Sending a massive cuddle to you and yours from me and mine. And remember to keep choosing you.